Again, uh, I am uh, Rolo, the Puerto Rican Pistolero, joined by Latina Locked and Loaded, my beautiful wife. And uh, we've got an, uh, we've got a full show for you tonight. We've got a lot of uh, topics to talk about. We started a little bit late this evening because we're actually getting our NRA RSO training today. Uh, and it just finished up about an hour and a half ago. So we just got home. Nine hours talking about safety. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Chad. Thank you, G-Dubs, for checking that out. So yeah, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the NRA RSO training, what we thought about it, how we think it can improve, how the training makes it pretty obvious where the NRA, why the NRA is in the state that they're in today, uh, among other things. We're also going to give you guys an update on the McCloskeys uh, in their case because there have actually been a lot of developments in the last week. And we are also going to be discussing the uh, we're going to be discussing the uh, Washington Post article trying to correlate the increase in gun sales with uh, with added violence and crime. And we're going to finish it up talking a little bit about what's going on in Portland and the black bagging incidents with Antifa and the feds, as well as our weekly uh, our weekly segment on the Constitution. Today, the we are brought to you by the Second Amendment, and we will go over the Second Amendment both in English and Spanish. I totally feel like we're Sesame Street, where every day is brought to you by... It's cute. I like it. Yes. <laughs> it's perfect. So... Without further ado, let's talk a little bit about the RSO training and uh, kind of what it entails, what our goals are with that, and uh, kind of what we thought about it. So, Joe, I'll let you start on that because you had a lot of uh, a lot to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, the uh, RSO training. Um, first of all, before anybody gets their panties in a twist as to why we did NRA, it was specifically because we are our goal is to help local trainers. Um, with Spanish speaking in their classes. So we can be a translator and also help out with safety, um, be an extra pair of eyes. And after having conversations with several of our local trainer friends, the South Florida um, facilities, even though yes, USCCA is pretty big, for some reason, some of these ranges, a lot of these ranges apparently do not like USCCA yet, or it's not well recognized by them yet. So they prefer that the instructors and RSOs be on NRA certified. Uh, with that being said, yes, you know, NRA has some issues. Um, but, you know, we got to do what we got to do and take the bad right now. And hopefully it'll turn into good in the future. Um, we are looking forward to doing a USCCA training as well. So, We'll be doing that in the future. So anyway, without further ado, let me jump into my uh, review of the RSO class. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, a nine-hour class, in-person class. Um, it does not involve range time. So that was all classroom. We had a very lovely instructor, Michael. So if anyone is in the South Florida area and they are looking to do... Michael Coker, right? Yeah. Yeah, Michael yeah. Coker. Uh, I, no relation to Larry, apparently, for any uh, UM fans or alumni out there. So, uh, really nice guy. Uh, looks like a gun Santa Claus, if you've ever seen him. He's really cool looking and, and has a great ton of stories. And, you know, that was actually the best part of the class, just getting the insight for someone who's been uh, a chief RSO in many of the local ranges. So, we got to hear lots of stories about that. Um, and also yeah. got to hear about how... Even the best local ranges are not run the way that you would think that they should be. Yeah, that gave me a little anxiety. We're not going to we're not going to trash anybody. We're not going to trash anybody. No name dropping on that. Mm -hmm. um, so the course material. So you get a book uh, that yay 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 wide yay big. Yeah. Um, it's a little dry, um, and a little antiquated in the material. My biggest complaint is that we spent, well, the class didn't. Um, the instructor was good enough that he didn't go page by page. And, you know, he basically told us, this is what you need to know for, you know, your examination. But, um, you know, he spent most of the time actually giving us pearls of wisdom and teaching us what we needed to know. But the fact that there was like, I don't even want to know how many questions on the test about, how to unload a oh how to load how to properly load and maintain a muzzle loader yeah 
So I know all about muzzle loaders, and I'll probably never shoot one. But, you know, I'm sure it'll come in handy for knowing that mm -hmm. one day, maybe. Exactly. Um, hopefully not. But, yes. Um, so that's the course material. It's got a lot of good relevant stuff, and then it's got a lot of dumb antiquated stuff. I, I think it's I think it's really good from layman's terms. I know that a lot of people uh, like to hate on the NRA. I know some trainers like to hate on the NRA course, but that's because they have years of experience behind it. I think coming from a total novice perspective, well, we're, we're not total novices when it comes to firearms, but when it comes to let's we need to try to prepare somebody that has never experienced anything from scratch. I think it's great. I think they do a pretty good job of outlining all the different types of firearms and actions. So, you know, they go even from, like they said, muzzle loader, lever action, rolling block rifles, which, I mean, where are you going to see one of those outside of like Red Dead Redemption 2 or something like that? Or uh, Forgotten Weapons, uh, uh. Unless, you, unless you're lucky enough and you're a collector. And then they went over black powder. And actually on the exam, they asked more about black powder uh, guns than pretty much anything else. So... I think it's good that they have all of that, but it kind of shows you where the NRA's priorities are. So it just shows that the, unfortunately, I guess to use the, uh, the derogatory term FUD, where that really comes from. But uh, I mean, it's cool to see it, at least from, from a, yeah, exactly. Exactly, that's pretty much how it is. Uh, you you pay for the for the course, and it's a lot of things that you already know. But overall, Orlando's I think, referring to a comment in the chat. Yes. Uh, yeah, more uh, um, more Naris. I apologize if I misspelled that. He said I became a pistol instructor and learned nothing. It was four hundred dollars to receive a piece of paper so I could get some benefits. You could argue that even a college degree is like that, <laughs> except you pay forty thousand uh, dollars. I paid a lot more than that. Yeah. So, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, well, now yeah. we're ready. Now we're ready. If we ever go up to uh, Tony to New Jersey, uh, we're ready. We know all about black powder now. So we'll help you out with, uh, exactly. with RSOing that. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think really our instructor, uh, Mike, he was a great guy. Yeah. Uh, he also teaches uh, Reiki. And like yeah. Energy and finding your center, which is really, really interesting. So he looks like Santa Claus. He works in corrections. Uh, he used to work uh, in the main police force. I'm not sure which department. And... Now he teaches yin and yang and, and guns. It's yeah, I awesome. thought that was interesting. I'm anybody who knows me, I'm a little bit into I'm Chris, I'm, I'm Catholic, but um, I do like crystals and a little bit of metaphysics. I dabble a little bit in that. So I thought that was cool. We had a like few minute conversation about that and mm -hmm. how we got into that. So that's really interesting to see somebody in the gun world who's really into like peace and like mm -hmm. togetherness and energy. So that was an interesting combination. And in our in our class and you know, we had uh, three other gentlemen there and they all came from pretty varied backgrounds and it was awesome. We had one former uh, SWAT police officer. Mm -hmm. He was actually really great. He made me uh, really made me feel good that there are some great police officers out there that really care about the second amendment. Yeah. Uh, he had actually just retired a few months ago uh, from one of the local police departments down here. And you know, he pretty much was right there with us on, uh, on advocacy, people's right to bear arms. He even told us how, there were times when he would, uh, he actually went into churches and explained to them, you know, their, uh, their active shooter drills and things like that. And he even told them, hey, you know, you guys have a private school attached to you. According to Florida law, not supposed to have a firearm within a thousand feet of a school, but don't ask, don't tell. I don't know about it. So just don't be dumb about it. So he was that definitely one of those kinds of police officers that uses their discretion. He seemed like he was, he was a really cool guy. And we had a, a, an army veteran there who saw some combat and uh, overseas. So he brought a different perspective in that. Uh, and then we had actually a representative from Century Arms, which was pretty cool. Which so we, I'm, we both agree, we've all agreed that we've met him somewhere, but yeah. it's one of those like, I, we don't know where. Mm -hmm. so. Just one of those people that's like, I've seen you at a range or I thought we saw him at SHOT Show, but unfortunately for him, he said he was one of the only two guys from Century that got left behind at HQ. So. Thanks, G23. We'll catch you later. Um, so that's pretty much a wrap on the RSL. So it was a pretty good experience. Some interesting folks that were there. Um, interesting instructor. So again, if you are looking into that and you want to do it, Mike's a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a great experience. And uh, hopefully we'll probably switch over to, I guess with RSO training, ranges will probably allow us to go on site. So maybe we can go with USCCA going forward. 
Yeah, I'd like to try that. Yeah, and uh, USCCA does a lot of great stuff. I'm sure you guys are on social media. They're all over the place. Uh, almost all the influencers and and uh, and instructors are affiliated with them at this point. And I think they're doing a great uh, a great thing. Yeah, definitely, Anthony. Uh, I, I agree. I think he's got an interesting approach. I would actually love to see how he instructs people on firearms using some of his, I guess if you want to say spiritual and metaphysical beliefs and really balance. And he had a very positive attitude. You know, he looks like that typical, you know, he's got a beard and, and he's got tattoos all over his sleeves and all this stuff. So you walk in, you're like, oh man, that's got to be, uh, yeah. uh, he's got to be an intimidating guy, but he was really He's like Santa Claus, like we said. He's a pretty awesome dude. So, yes. So, yeah, uh, Anthony Nunez uh, in our chat, hey, Ant, um, mentioned that you can actually uh, rent out ranges So with your RSO certification. So you don't yep. just use it you know, for a not-so-great paying job. It has a lot of perks um, like that. And we're going to check out Okeechobee Range. Mm -hmm. It's a couple of hours north of here, but everybody talks really nice about it. So we're going to check that out. And yeah. one of the reasons I got it, too, was um, I think we mentioned this earlier, but yeah, you talked a little bit about it. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, some know. of the local uh, female gun trainers approached me to join them in a venture for a boot camp for women um, that kind of got put on the back burner temporarily thanks to COVID. But uh, knowing them, it will go forward and um, I'm going to be RSOing for them in addition to doing some of the classroom work uh, since I have experience with carbines and all that. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, that was one of the things that I needed to get done in order to be ready for that. So I'm really happy with that. Mm -hmm. So, and then also with uh, our friend Kwaku, we're, yes. we're thinking about, you know, doing that with him as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's actually what uh, G-Dubs mentioned in the chat that uh, he spent years volunteering at a range as an RSO and he got free range time and experience. Yeah. So that's what we hope to pretty much get out of it as well. So you want to talk about McCloskeys? Yeah, friends? let's talk about let's talk a little bit about the McCloskeys. Uh, Not to beat a dead horse. Um, so yeah, the McCloskeys. I finally know their name. It's <laughs> Patty and uh, oh god, Mark, Mark, Mark mm -hmm. and Patty. Our friends, Mark and Patty. Let's give an update on them. Yes, let me see if I can bring up the article for everyone so that they can check it out over here. Well, I've got two points: the article you're go. talking about, and also uh, the I don't know what I did with it. I can. I remember what okay. it was, though. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to follow along, I'll put it in the chat too, just so you guys can have a reference to all the. Uh, you can source all the references that we put up. That's on the hill. Uh, the title of the article: Missouri Governor says that he would pardon the St. Louis couple if they are charged for brandishing guns at protesters. I think that's. I mean, I, I'm tired of the whole. Did they do the right thing? Didn't they do the right thing? Let's just like not talk about that for a moment. Um, so let's just talk about what's going on now moving forward, because that's just a debate that's not going to be won by either side. Mm -hmm. So if you if if you really go into it, I think the, the big uh, the big stink that we're having now is that obviously the police came, served a warrant and uh, and, you know, they they confiscated their firearms. Now, they only had the AR-15 on on premise at the time. I believe their their former lawyer had the pistol, which he said was inoperable. So really, police came in, didn't charge them with anything and took away their property. So you violated property rights, in my opinion, and you've definitely violated Second Amendment rights for taking away their ability to, uh, to defend themselves. So the uh, Mike Parson, he's the uh, governor of Missouri. Uh, he had an issue with this. And he pretty much said if the district attorney, I believe that's the district or um, they use a different term in, uh, in St. Louis. I'm not sure. Well, the equivalent of the district attorney of St. Louis was threatening to press charges. They're kind of holding them in limbo. So the governor said, no, I'm not going to have that because from everything that he can see, uh, it just their, their rights are being violated. So here's what the governor himself said. He said, Parsons strongly pushed back against the impetus for the investigation, saying that the McCloskeys, quote, did what they legally should do. A mob does not have the right to charge your property, and they had every right to defend themselves. Now, we know that Missouri is a uh, has stand your ground laws or castle doctrine similarly. So I think this is where we're going to start getting into semantics about it. It's like once you reach the point where you feel like you're under threat, does it really matter what techniques you use after that once you've already felt like you 
you're threatened enough that you need to use or at least bring out your firearm. So uh, that's that's definitely the question here. And uh, it's good to see, though, that it's good to see that politicians are actually because, you know, how many times do politicians actually try to advocate for us and our rights? I mean, they're supposed to represent us. And uh, and if they're not doing that, then they're doing a poor job. So it's great to see the governor of, uh, of Missouri doing this. Did you talk about Holly yet? No, I didn't. You can go talk about our, our boy, uh, Senator Holly there. Oh, so uh, I don't I don't know Senator Holly too much. I don't know if he's a two-way guy or not, I'll be honest. I'm pretty sure he is. He might he, be. Sounds like he is. So basically, uh, Senator Holly, he's a Republican of Missouri, uh, took some, you know, issue with uh, McCloskey's being investigated by the, uh, the circuit attorney, Kim circuit Gardner, um, and went to D.C. and called up his boy, President Trump, said, yo, what's up, Trump? Got to talk about this. I'm not down with it. And apparently Trump agreed. So sounds like uh, Trump might be getting involved. That is if the governor doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. take care of that first. Um, which is nice to know. I mean, I don't really know how I feel about Trump in terms of the Second Amendment. You know, a lot of people are upset, uh, myself included, about the bump stock thing, you know. And, you know, red flag laws and, and, and due process later stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But um, I I hope he can, you know, get on board with uh, the Second Amendment and stop being kind of wishy-washy on that, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So there's give me a little bit of hope about Mr. Trump. Yep. So, so you can see that Holly actually, uh, what he did is he uh, filed a motion. He basically went to Attorney General Barr and he wants to file a, a civil rights complaint. So, so you're saying he didn't just go up to Trump and say, hey, what's up? No, well, I mean, Holly's. <laughs> I think Holly kidding. has that kind of relationship with uh, with the Donald, so I think he could. But yeah, he went to the GOJ, uh, G, uh, the DOJ, not the GOA, um, and yeah, he wanted to file a civil rights suit. So we'll see. They might have a civil rights investigation now. All of this may be uh, not not necessarily a distraction, more of a deterrent to the. Uh, to the district attorney so that she doesn't uh, push forward with this. So, and you can see that's Kim Gardner right there. So if you know who she is, if you if she's uh, running up for election there or anything like that, if, if it's not an appointed position by the city, definitely uh, make things happen. If there's, uh, donate to her, her rival's campaign or anything like that, because we really need to make sure that we expose politicians that do things like this, both the good and the bad. So we need to obviously expose uh, Circuit Attorney Gardner for what she's doing and trying to violate these people's rights and kind of using the law to intimidate people. And we also have to give credit to the uh, the governor of Missouri and Senator Hawley for actually doing the opposite, and that's fighting for the rights of their constituents. This reminds me of something that we were talking about uh, with Edgar um, from Guns for Everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on a Hank's uh, podcast the other day with Edgar. Was that Friday? Uh, yes, it was Friday. Yeah. Friday. So if you guys want to watch... Uh, Edgar and us talking uh, anarchy. Go check out Hank's podcast. <laughs> it was a pretty heated uh, political discussion. That was a lot of but fun. It was great. Um, but he's having some static from a uh, sheriff that's mm-hmm. not accepting his certifications and without grounds. So um, this concealed reminds me. Concealed carry courses. Yeah, right? concealed yeah. carry courses for for CCWs. So. Long story short about what I'm, make, um, I'm gonna say is that I brought up the point that sheriff is up for re-election this year. A lot of these people are up for re-election and uh, he is a Republican. So just because someone is a Republican doesn't mean that he's in our corner, guys. So I know a lot of people don't believe in voting and think that politicians do whatever they want and it was a waste of time to petition to them. But you know, the best way to get, you know, to petition is to vote. So yeah. Um, don't just, you know, let things be. Um, if there's someone in your district or, you know, whether it's public school board, sheriff, senator, whatever it is, just because they're your supposed party that's supposed to be protecting your constitutional rights, don't assume that. Check them out and get rid of them if, if the primary hasn't happened already in your state. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, Edgar couldn't say that, but I was like, let's run, let's make a GoFundMe and run a TV ad to, uh, for the, you know, the opposition, if it's a 
a better choice for that. But, you know, well, I'll as leave they, that alone. <laughs> as, uh, as they say, as the I believe the great Ronald Reagan said, uh, trust but verify. So obviously our instinct is to trust the party that most of the time is pro-gun rights, but we need to verify because a lot of times, as we've seen, it seems like more gun control actually gets passed when Republicans are in power because we become complacent. So just like gun sales, you know, uh, except for recently, but you know how it was. Obama was a uh, was record. Uh, Obama basically caused gun sales to explode just because people were pretty much afraid that he was going to drop the hammer on regulations. Never really happened. And then we grew complacent when uh, when when Trump took over until obviously we started dealing with COVID-19 and uh, the rioting that's going on in the country right now. So. So that's pretty much what's going on here. Uh, again, I think this is great. Anytime the politicians do the right thing, we should definitely commend them because these days I just don't think that uh, I don't think they do it enough. So we got to give credit where credit is due because honestly, we love to trash politicians all the time. So hey. That's oh gosh, uh, RTS guy, Broward House Parkland disgraced former sheriff Israel going for re-election after getting fired by that's Governor right. DeSantis. That, actually, that's a good that's a good aside. Let's talk about that because I actually uh, I was <laughs> actually for getting, sheriff. Yes. Yeah. I don't think this is counties. Uh, Lara, yeah, I'm not sure. I, no, I, no, I asked him. It was not his county. Oh, okay, it was like a, a county over or something. So okay, that's he gotcha. doesn't live there. Um, yeah. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the Broward cowards so far. So. For those of you that don't know, we live in South Florida. We're about 35 minutes uh, south of Parkland. Uh, Joe was actually in the area, in the city of Parkland, when the uh, when the, the mass killing occurred. And uh, yeah, so Sheriff Scott Israel was in charge of the Broward uh, County Sheriff's Office during the time. And uh, he did a piss poor job. And if anybody remembers the, uh, the town hall event that happened on CNN, where he, Dana Lash, and uh, Senator Marco Rubio... Uh, were basically invited by CNN. I, I don't remember who the moderator was. I want to say that it was, uh, I, don't, I don't remember. It, it's irrelevant. And ultimately, uh, Scott Israel was able to sit up there and basically make an excuse for himself and his department for their failures, not only in how they handled the Parkland situation, which as many of us know, or we should already know if you don't, uh, despite what some police cars may say, serve and protect. Uh, police officers do not have a duty to protect you underneath the Constitution or anything like that. Uh, because ultimately, uh, well, I won't, I won't go too deep into negative rights or anything like that. But basically, you can't expect anyone to, force, uh, to be forced to do something to, for you. So you can't force police officers to sacrifice their lives for the greater good, ultimately, is what the Supreme Court uh is what the Supreme Court ruled. Uh, there are several cases. Um, I'll bring them up another time. I don't have them on me. I didn't expect to talk about this right now, but yes, the police don't have a duty to protect. Uh, so that's first thing. So clearly they did not. And uh, really it was something like 36 times where they had this killer. I won't even, I won't even say his name because he doesn't deserve to be named. Um, they had, you know, almost three dozen times to get this guy within the state, the local, and the federal level. And they didn't. They didn't. Maybe because it was politically incorrect. Uh, there's a huge inquiry behind that, but definitely Scott Israel contributed to that. Uh, the poor behavior by a lot of police officers on his force uh, are a reflection of that. And it's pretty much a disgrace that uh, one of our local newspapers down here, the Sun Sentinel, and I'm going to call them out because I did on Twitter, the Sun Sentinel, you're a disgraceful rag and you should be ashamed of yourselves for endorsing Scott Israel for re-election. He shouldn't even be allowed to run for re-election in my opinion, but you know, it is what it is. At this point now, the onus is on us, the residents of this county, to make sure that he does not get into office. So that means using this platform right here that we have to call them out on it and to call out Scott Israel and to try to encourage our local community members to uh, make sure that this basically travesty doesn't stand that this man doesn't get back into a position where he can harm the the residents of of uh, Broward County so yeah thanks for uh, bringing that up uh, uh, RTS guy so oh, I forgot to mention something going way back to the yeah, McClavskis sorry just to transition back um, this was from a few days ago but they also as everybody we 
remembers we just talked about it. They got their AR-15 taken away. Uh, by the way, if anyone's seen the video of the cops taking his uh, possession of his gun, they weren't much better about uh, gun safety than Mr. Mark. That. Let's see if I got it here somewhere. I think the officer was holding. I don't know if it was an officer. I saw plain clothes. No, he was wearing the blues. He, oh, he was, was wearing like the the plain blue. Yeah, so it was pretty funny. So the police, uh, the police take their uh, his AR-15 away because. <sighs> of I guess improper handling let's be well honest. That's the, the, the claim is brandishing yeah okay, brandishing, brandishing. improper that's handling what, of a firearm that's what they're going brandishing. with so and then when the police come and confiscate the gun you can see a police officer holding the gun by the muzzle and the magazine is still inside the rifle well, he's pointing now, it at himself yeah yeah and basically muzzling himself with a with a, now I'm going to assume that but you can never assume you know, always treat every every gun as if it's loaded, right? Yeah. But, you know, you've got an AR-15 here with a magazine and you're holding it by the muzzle. That looks pretty stupid. So, uh, you're you're going after people for brandishing and you can't even handle the firearm correctly yourself as a police officer. It's pretty embarrassing. Well, besides that, which I thought was pretty funny, um, apparently uh, Mark and Patty, our friends Mark and Patty, uh, got about 50 offers, including from Alien Armory Tactical. Uh, that is in Missouri for a free AR-15. Isn't that nice? That is nice. Um, I'd take it. But that actually turned it down, which was, I don't know why they did that. Hey, free firearms, sign me up. But um, they uh, also got many, many, many offers for free firearms training, which uh, I thought that was very nice of the gun community to do that. Um, You know, obviously they didn't take it up on their offer. But shout out to Alien Armory Tactical in Missouri for offering that to them. You know, education is really important. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. They didn't take it up, but that's awesome. Making the world a better place. One AR-15 at a time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Simon says, train Tony Simon in the chat says, uh, the officer may not have known how to remove the magazine. It's possible. I mean, who knows? Maybe these guys are still using like uh, Smith and Wesson 357s as their sidearms. Uh, I mean, based on that kind of. Uh, Do Leos not rifle. get rifle training and carbine training? The who? Do Leos not get training? Law enforcement officers? Uh, I mean, on on I don't know if on long guns, but definitely on their sidearms. If anybody knows mm-hmm. the answer to that, if anybody's former law enforcement or you guys work. Do regular line law enforcement, so just regular beat cops, patrol cops, do they get trained? And it may just depend on department too, because in New York maybe they don't. The do they people want to know. The people want to know. Please answer the question yeah. if you're so out if there. So if anybody knows, just go ahead and throw that in the chat. I'm curious. Yeah. I don't think they do, uh, because I've kind of spoken with police officers before and asked them, because uh, we had that shooting down here with the UPS driver a few years ago. The high, uh, well, no, a few months ago. No, that was, it was very it was recent. The yeah, flowers December, are still January. there on the street. Yeah, uh, we had a shooting on like uh, not sure even two it. minutes uh, from our where we are right now. Yeah, uh, UPS driver died, and it was a very very messy affair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we know that the police officers were definitely, you know, they there was an innocent bystander that was killed, and so was the hostage, the UPS driver. It was very and, sad. and after seeing how the police basically unloaded on everybody there once the shooting started at that intersection you can see that it was probably friendly fire yeah but uh but you know we were actually at the florida carry a florida carries event uh, a few months ago and there was a police officer there a former police officer who's working to change a lot of the standard operating procedures for training in florida because he explained to us outright uh police officers in florida do not know gun laws they do not and a lot of times they do violate the rights of especially concealed carry permit holders by confiscating their guns when they have no right to do so. And he said it is straight up because of ignorance of the law. So for years, he's been working on trying to get the, uh, the police academies in Florida to adopt uh, firearms law training. Because I think right now he said that they essentially have one page that goes over some of the basic stuff, like probably Castle Doctrine, uh, seeing a concealed carry permit and all that, and, and who knows what else. And, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, you got Grim said something funny in the chat there. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't believe in, 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 uh, corporal punishment. No, <laughs> but, uh, 
But yeah, so he, uh, he mentioned that he's been trying to push this in. Now finally they're going to have three pages of gun laws in the, uh, in the uh, police academy training for Florida. So hopefully that will be a... Uh, oh, thanks for the heads up, RTS. So uh, let's read the chat for just a second. Uh, Tony says, yeah, uh, at, in regards to the question that, that, that we wanted to know about Leo's, uh, they do have rifle training, but many still suck at firearm manipulation. Yep. Um, yes, I believe that's probably true. They, and then Carolina EDC Review says they do if the department has, but some have used their own rifles to qualify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then RTS guy uh, says, by the way, Florida Carry has a webinar this Wednesday night. We will definitely check it out. Wednesday's my day off, so I will yeah. definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, Florida Carry puts a lot of good stuff, especially the last year or so. They've really stepped up their game, I've seen. And uh, they've become a lot more active, and they uh, they do some good events down here. Hey, Florida so. Carry, let's collab sometime. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're uh, out there listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Florida Carry's out there. I'm sure that some of you are members of Florida Carry, a uh, great organization. I encourage, we encourage everyone to join your state and local uh gun rights advocacy groups if there are any uh, every state pretty much has one uh sometimes there are local ones if not join like a local gun club or something like that use that as an opportunity to speak to other uh to other shooters in your area because a lot of them don't even know any of the legal stuff that's going on you know especially in competition shooting a lot of people are pretty oblivious to some of that stuff unless it happens to affect them you know if you can't use uh uh high capacity normal capacity standard capacity magazines uh, then, you know, competition shooters tend to get a little bit pissed off about that <laughs> since they uh, like to use as a large magazine as a, as a competition allows. So, yeah, use that opportunity. Speak to other shooters in the area, uh, hobbyists and things like that that may not be on the actual right side of, uh, of advocacy. And same thing goes for your gun stores. A lot of gun shops are great for selling guns, but they're not necessarily great at selling the Second Amendment. So anytime that you can, you know, try to throw little bits and pieces there, you don't want to be that that guy that's going around and, you know, Mr. Know-it-all or trying to push stuff. But anytime you can throw those nuggets in there, especially in somebody that's already pro-gun, we got to do that because the more of us that are vocal, the higher the likelihood that we can win some of these battles, especially now that we have so many new gun owners. Yeah, I think that's actually the the key. You know, we have been to different seminars or heard a lot of people talk about what the key is in terms of how to you know spread the two-way message um you know one of them was get people to register to vote get people voting um you know i think actually my favorite of the messages was get more gun owners involved and make new gun owners so every conversation you have is actually very very important um you know i think I, i touched on that last week uh when i was talking to about about men and women who are interested in firearms you know be always very open open-minded and help them intru- become comfortable with the um second amendment guns whatever because i still remember my first time at the gun counter i'm not going to name the range mm-hmm. but i was very uncomfortable and the person who was selling me the gun really didn't care um to make me more comfortable or to talk to me much so you know, that's on us as a community. And the more gun owners there are, the bigger our community is. Yep. And the more un- more likely we are to have our rights stripped away from us. And actually, now that now that we started, that we mentioned that, it actually was in the uh, in the RSO manual as well. That as an RSO, you're supposed to be like an ambassador. Yes, education is part and, of and your job. Sports. So it's actually good that, that that's in the manual too, because it's true. So if you ever get upset that an RSO comes up to you, I mean, I've had some RSOs come up to me and say dumb things, like offer suggestions on my finger placement on the trigger. Sometimes it's good advice. Sometimes it's dumb advice or just unwanted advice. Um, I'm always, you know, I never like, I'm pretty cool, calm and collected. So um, I never like give anybody static, but uh, I appreciate it sometimes, you know, but that's actually because they're trying to help, you know, educate because that's what I guess what the course pushes them to do and uh, in the chat uh, anthony said at the end of of his ccw classes he dedicates some time to the constitution discussion of rights and the importance of the preservation of life through training and involvement he gets lots of converts that way and i think that's That's great great, yeah that's that's actually awesome awesome. you're ahead of the curve with that because anthony's awesome he's really awesome yeah uh so you're definitely ahead of the curve with that because a lot of people don't like i said they do a great job at selling guns even self-defense and your right to carry but not necessarily why why do we have this right? 
where did it come from uh, and why is it so important? So that's, that's awesome, Anthony. I, I definitely commend you for that. That's great. I think that's what we all need to do uh, if we can. And definitely encourage uh, reading about the Constitution and our rights and how we got here. So perfect segue. Let's talk about the increase in gun sales yes. and what that's been in the media, in the news lately. So um, got a couple things on that. So everybody knows that gun sales have spiked dramatically. All-time highs, I believe. All-time highs yes. since the so-and-so era. I don't know the statistics, but basically, we all know this. Um, there's two things I want to talk to you about on that. The will, uh, Washington, You're going to do the Washington Post? Yeah, I'm going to post the article okay. in the chat. Sorry about that. So the uh, saw an article on the Washington Post, spike in violent crime follows rising gun buying and social upheaval. So basically, this article is talking about um, two studies that are being conducted. And basically, it's trying to find a correlation between gun sale increases and gun violence, which I think that's pretty crappy. Yes. Well, of course, um, it's, it's like cor uh, uh, correlation. Correlation causation. is not cause causation. Yep. First of all, anybody who knows, you know, science, correlation is definitely not causation. Um, so let me see what the statistics are. I think it's a three million new guns sales since March and half as many since half as many as that. So like I'm assuming one point five since June. Um, that's quite a bit. And obviously, for obvious reasons, that started with the whole COVID. Everyone started freaking out. And then amplified uh, when civil unrest started happening. Uh, so I think the groundbreaking part is that the study that they found actually tied it in for the first time with, uh, with you know, gun violence. Like the increase in gun sales tied in with well, they're making the argument, yes. Yes, that's what they're trying yes, to do. That's, they're, they're trying to make that argument. The so, research, here it is. The research suggests that at least some of the spike in gun purchases is driven by racist beliefs and attitudes among white Americans. Ooh. Listen, um, <laughs> I know at least several handfuls of people who are new gun owners, and not one of them is white yep. or racist. It's just, hey... Uh, things look like they're going sideways and you just told us that you are defunding the police and you are no longer responding to calls. What do you think is going to happen? Yep. You think people are just going to sit there and go, well, it's time. It's my time to die, mm -hmm. I guess. No. But but see, I think what's what's so funny about this is that they they attribute the rise in violence and all of this to added gun sales when you've you have a situation where the media is causing people to panic and to be afraid you're seeing uh civil unrest in other countries you're seeing uh you saw riots and chaos that broke out in other countries then that started happening here well let, let's start with the covid thing so you've you have a population of people that now sorry about that i knocked the mic there that have been forced to stay inside for months lost their jobs because the economy was shut down Suicide rates have gone up. Domestic violence rates have gone up. Uh, obviously, people can't get medical treatment for non-COVID uh, non procedures for a long time. They couldn't do that. So to say that it was the guns that caused the spike in violence and not all of the other social issues is pretty preposterous to me. And I think the fact that it's not even, it's really almost glossed over. Well, you know, uh, yeah, COVID-19 happened and all this stuff, but it's, it's really the guns. When... They're not asking themselves, well, could it be that the guns are being sold because of those things and people are on edge? Now, I would be willing to accept that, yes, there probably is more violence going on right now, but it is because of those things. And obviously, when you have the media trying to perpetuate panic uh, everywhere, when you see all the worst case scenarios... Uh, where you see people in their cars with rioters jumping on them, where you see what happened with the McCloskeys, where you see a lot of difference, where you saw, you know, the the gentleman, Mr. Dorn, that got killed defending that pawn shop, and he bled out right there in the street for everyone to see. When you see all those terrible things happen, and you have a lot of new gun owners, you're going to have a lot of people that don't, that that may not have been mentally prepared to own a firearm at this moment. Maybe there's somebody that was like, I was thinking about buying a gun or somebody that was like, I would never touch a gun in my life. So it's, it's, 
you know, to not expect there to be some issues with that. I mean, that's just natural. I think sometimes, well, not sometimes, all the time, the media likes to conflate certain things without saying, well, there might be a logical explanation for this. And, you know, as gun owners, we obviously hate to see when statistics of gun violence go up because we feel that that undermines our cause. But we also need to be realistic about it. When you're in an unprecedented time, it's like, well, uh, if you have a pool in your house, you're more likely to drown. Well, yeah, of course. It makes total sense. You know, they always like to say, well, if you have a gun in the house, you're more likely to commit suicide with a gun. Yeah, because if I didn't, I'd probably commit suicide with something else, right? So, I mean, some of it's just common sense. Those are the questions that we need to ask. Those are the things that we need to see, especially you need to know, we need to realize as Second Amendment freedom advocates and fans, they're always going to use semantics against us and they will always try to find ways that they can manipulate a few words here and there to own us. I actually would really love to get my hands on these actual studies. Um, I was just looking at this. Quote, we find that states where individuals are more likely to search for racial epithets experience larger increases in June firearm sales. So I'd love to know what states are they talking about? The article doesn't say it. So I'm going to try to find this actual study. Mm, interesting, um, yeah. You know, See, I don't know. They- is, is, it, is it maybe the states that are having violent protests? Could that possibly be the correlation? Not where individuals are more likely to search for racial epithets well and here's here's the great thing they say they want like to maybe search portland for i'd like to know how portland's doing with gun sales well and anybody and, know yeah see and that's see that's a great question that's all about looking and trying to see how the media is trying to manipulate yeah, us it's a by spin. Using language like that it's a spin yep and and it's great see and i would say that that implies because they didn't say the states that they are they're probably states that you would not expect or that the left would not expect so they're probably progressive and leftist states because you have anytime the media tries to spin something against us, uh, especially in the gun community or on on the right, whatever, you know, conservatism, anybody that's not a progressive or a communist at this point or a socialist. I'm going to try to log into uh, I don't know if my university login is still good my library, my university yeah, library. Definitely. I'm going to I'm going to try to log in uh, to the I don't know what that's called, like the online pool of science studies research, and yeah. research uh this week and see if i can actually pull this up and i'll let you guys know if i find it yeah that and would then be rts guy mentioned crimeresearch.org uh you can search there okay obviously we can look at the fbi's crime statistics but they won't be updated. No, i want i want to read this study that's yeah. making this giant leap of uh cursing out people for race reasons linking it to gun well and here's here's the other thing too not only did they not state the states they said more likely to search for racial epithets so by searching for a racial epithet, that kind of implies to me that you don't know what the racial epithet means, so you're probably not saying it in a bigoted way. Especially now with all the hypersensitivity with everything that is going on right now, what is considered a racial epithet at this point besides the obvious words that we know? It know. seems like almost anything can be implied that way. So maybe it, this is a lot of normal people that are Listen, like, I don't even know what this slang terminology means for what somebody, I don't know what an Uncle Tom is. Or, or something like that. Could it be that? Or any other words that we're not going to bring up, obviously. Uh, so, again, we kind of went on a little bit of a diatribe here with the media, but this is something that needs to be said because we need to we need to help our friends also educate them in things like this. That This is how the media tries to spin and manipulate things where they technically don't lie, but they will say things in such a way that you will get the wrong impression based on what they're trying to tell you. So... Oh, yeah, yeah, master, master bedroom, bedroom is master racist. RTS guy, yep. yeah, definitely. They're changing the names of all. What about people with master's degree? What are they gonna do? Oh yeah, are they gonna reprint all those uh, degrees and call it something else? I don't know what they would call it. Exactly. I have no idea. But yeah, uh, crazy. It's pretty crazy. Uh, <sighs> but these are the things that we need to look out for. And as you know, people in the firearms community, we're always gonna have a target on our back. Excuse the pun. So uh, on a similar vein. Uh, gun sales increasing and linking it to violence. New York, my home state. I love New York. Oh, boy. In nostalgia. Uh, I miss the pizza. I miss the uh, Museum of Natural Natural Science, dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to my first um, on a date, I think, with some other person. Sorry, Rolando. <laughs> I went there to were the men room. before me? Yes, I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, many, many, many moons ago when I was a young lady, um, I went uh, on a date to the Miami Science 
museum back before it got renovated because I heard it got renovated and it looks a lot nicer and I was shocked that they don't have a dinosaur. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yes, I love New York. However, I hate New York politics. So with that being said, uh, Mayor de Blasio, I really don't like this guy. But anyway, so Mayor de Blasio uh, made some news because he and the New York Police Department Commissioner, Dermot Shea, announced that they have a plan to quell recent explosions of gun violence Ooh. because of increased gun sales, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so you want to... In New York City where... Where literally Molotov cocktails are being thrown at people yes. and, and firecrackers, fireworks are being thrown, lit uh, on homeless people. Um it must be the gun, the, the increase in gun sales that are uh, causing all this new violence. Oh, yes, and remember, shall issue concealed carry permits that maybe like 500 people in the entire city had. I don't, I don't understand why they're getting off thinking that more regulations, and especially in a place that's so tightly locked down like New York City, where more regulations and more pressure on that is going to make a difference. Clearly, the people who are doing this are criminals, but of course, no one wants to hear that. Um, in terms of what are they going to do then? Because that's basically their problem. If they can't fix it by making more laws, you know, they get triggered or I don't know. They, they, they can't handle it. So basically, uh, de Blasio has come up with some awesome plans, including additional gun buyback programs. Ooh. You think it's going to work, Rolo? Ah, man, I don't know. I think that what you're going to get is you, you'll get a lot of criminals selling guns to the police. But they're going to be guns that don't work. Or they're going to be... Could they be zip guns, maybe? I don't know. Does, it, does anyone... Has anyone ever tried that zip gun thing? I don't know. Actually, I mean, don't put it. I don't know. <laughs> this might be illegal. I mean, we, we, we tried to get into a buyback one day to see, you know, kind of to check it out. And we tried to sell a starter pistol and they wouldn't take it. So I think sometimes... I think sometimes on our side, they, they exaggerate the buybacks sometimes. But New York, I could see them buying some zip guns and all that stuff just because they'll be like, oh, yeah, this is a, an improvised gun. We're going to have to do that. You really get see it off it the streets, of, uh, Rolando. Let's get that dirty gun off the streets. Oh, yeah, Save some lives. And then oh, they're going to go after the ghost gun soon. So anyway, so basically that's de Blasio. He thinks that he's going to fix the city by more additional uh, increasing gun buyback programs in the city that already doesn't have guns. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that the law-abiding citizens who are going to say, hey, I'm going to go take part in this uh, program, that's going to be the people who have been shooting people, according to him. Yep. Okay. All right. Good job, de Blasio. Well, what do we expect from him? All right. And on the next one, I actually want to talk about this. This doesn't really have to do with guns, but this is a debate that I've been seeing in the uh, Second Amendment community. What's that? And uh, talking about the uh, the feds in Portland black bagging people and oh. taking them away. And nobody knows where they are. Rolando's oh really gosh. heated about this. Federal government overreach. Okay. So... As we know, uh, one of the biggest fights that I think that we see in the gun community is the fight between, uh, I don't really know how, how to say this, uh, I guess the internet would say the, the boog boys and the fuds, maybe, I guess that's how it would be, but uh, I think it's more uh, status and I, I don't know, I guess pro-law enforcement and anti-law enforcement or, or pro-extremely small government. So I would say the, the far the extreme libertarian wing of the Second Amendment community and pretty much everyone else. Uh, a lot of times because of the things that we've seen, especially recently with COVID-19 and police overreach, red flag laws, things like that, there is a, we have a tenuous relationship with how we feel about uh, police officers in the Second Amendment community right now. I think that that's pretty fair to say uh, that a lot of people, yeah, obviously we have the back the blue on one side and then we have people that uh, police or status and we shouldn't even have police at all because we've got guns and we can defend ourselves. So this always leads to a conflict and sometimes I think that the pro, the absolute freedom crowd sometimes mistakens the fact that the government does have authority to an extent and they can arrest people when they do illegal things. I feel like some people have gotten a little bit carried away and realized that yes, they can do that. So let's talk about what's going on in Portland. In case you guys haven't heard, Portland for the past 52 days, I think, since the first riot started, has been under siege. So even though the riots have kind of died down uh, in most other parts of the United States, uh, in Portland, they are still going alive and strong. So Antifa, that's that's who's doing this, obviously, uh, basically has burned down monuments in Portland and they've been 
They've laid the federal courthouse there under siege for weeks now. And essentially, the Portland police and mayor did nothing. They allowed them to run amok. Uh, they allow them to do whatever they want. And the feds have basically been holding out in the courthouse, preventing it from being destroyed. Well, a few weeks ago, a few days ago, maybe a week ago, people started noticing that minivans started appearing out of nowhere. And when Antifa guys, after they do what they do, started walking away from the courthouse, minivan would show up, a couple of DHS agents, well, unmarked federal agents, I should say first, pop out of the vehicle, grab them, tag them and bag them, take them back to some unknown place where they're detained for an unknown period of time. But uh, a lot of people are trying to say in the media, oh, they're going to a place we don't know where they're going. They're being detained indefinitely. The feds have no right to do this. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So obviously this would be a cause of concern. You know, people are saying, oh, this is like Trump's Gestapo. They're going around. There's no due process. There's no nothing. Etc. Etc. Except that's not actually what's going on. See, if you read a lot of sources, especially from Antifa, they're telling you unknown government officials and unmarked government vehicles, indefinite detention. Uh, uh, they would black bag you and put a bag over your head so you don't see where you're going. So this is what they would do. They would observe. They would see who in Antifa is causing problems and rabble rousing. Oh, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm going to try to bring up uh, some things here. If you guys don't already follow uh, Andy No. He's uh, at Mr. Andy No, N-G-O. Uh, I was going to say spell that because yes, that's, that's yeah, hard. Yes, uh, N-G-O. Uh, I pronounced. believe he's Vietnamese-American. Um, he is one of the top reporters in exposing Antifa, and he has been on the story of what's going on in Portland just nonstop. The, he is one of the few true uh, brave journalists that are left in this country. He's actually gotten uh, – he had a, a, concrete milk, a concrete milkshake, quote-unquote, thrown at him. And he almost uh, received like a swelling in his brain from you know dealing with Antifa and having them attack him. So if you check out his uh, Twitter feed over here, I'm going to bring it up for you guys. He actually talks about the black bagging and he explained that Antifa is trying to do basically a counter PR campaign to make it seem like the feds and Donald Trump, by proxy Donald Trump, are cracking down and doing illegal things. But what they are doing is, the it's actually Department of Homeland Security they're going around in minivans, which if you guys have been around the government a lot, you can see that they have a lot of Dodge caravans that are either white, navy blue, or black. And they do have government license plates on them, but I guess a lot of people are not used to seeing federal workers use regular regular vehicles, which they do all the time. So the DHS guys come out. If they've witnessed an Antifa guy, they're like, we're pretty sure that's the guy. He's walking away from the crowd. Let's go get him. Now, some of the videos I've seen People complain about it. They go and they they get taken away and everybody's freaking out. Where did they take them? I don't know. I saw another video where DHS guys pop out of the minivan. They walk up to a protester and the protester just doesn't even complain about it at all. Now, to me, that's that screams undercover cop that's being extracted. And for a lot of people that don't know, uh, this is what the feds and the police officers do. They do embed, they do embed agents within their... Uh, within riots and things like that. There was a really awesome photo from Washington, D.C. Uh, a few weeks ago. I think it's actually when the D.C. first started having uh, Yeah, when the D.C. Protests. riots first started happening before, you know, President Trump went to the church and that whole PR, PR thing happened. Uh, it showed a, a kind of a, like a time-lapse video of this. He looked like a normal dude, like just protesting there, had a hoodie on, had a backpack. And then all of a sudden he pulled a Superman rips off his shirt he's got a, a u.s marshal's badge underneath and he pulls out an sbr from the backpack i think he was wearing he's body, got body armor, armor and everything yeah. and you would not have known it so i think a lot of times the feds are just trying to also extract some of their own agents but what they're doing is they're actually taking them straight back to the courthouse that they were at and dealing with them right there and the other thing that people don't seem to realize is you do not have to be mirandized when a crime has been witnessed there is no investigation. When the police see you throw a Molotov cocktail at them, that is the evidence. They don't need anything else. They do not have to read your Miranda rights when they have seen you witness the crime. So are these people that are being um, apprehended? Because I refuse to use the word abducted. Yeah, detained. Uh, detained. detained yeah. Are they actually going to be held liable for this stuff? Because I'm really tired of people getting detained for all this, you know, oh violence and destruction wanton destruction our cities and then being released 
you know, uh, to quote de Blasio, you know, he, some, you know, in some press conference, he snapped, the court system is not functioning. Uh, yeah, because you're letting them all out. So you can see right here, uh, this is, this so is, is the federal gov- is the federal government going to do any better? Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that the, the, the guys that they have direct evidence on, they're going to press federal charges against them, which are going to be very serious. I believe just trying to uh, – Trump had an executive order pretty much enforcing, uh, I believe it's like the National Monument Protection Act, something whoa, like whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, scroll up. What, what is that? No, up, down, down, down. Which one? Oh, yeah, they're trying to break into a police station here. So, Sorry. yeah, uh, Andy No, give him, uh, <coughs> give him a follow. Uh, he does a great job at exposing these guys. And he talks about the black bagging here uh, further down. He even exposes who the Antifa people are when they get arrested, what they did, what their background is. So a lot of great work. This was in the police uh, union, I believe, last night. They broke into it and started setting fire to it. And you can see this is mostly around the federal the federal courthouse district. So... If anybody, if anybody, like, why is the federal government getting involved? Because this is federal property and yep. the state is not doing anything. It's not like Trump wants to go in there. Yep. You can't take care of your own state. So then you get upset when they try to protect the federal buildings. Well, and here, and look, then you have the balls to ask for money because your state is burning down. Yeah. Well, look, here's, here's even better. Look at this. The mayor of Portland himself actually issued a directive prohibiting the Portland police from cooperating with the feds. And here's the other problem. Now, there's a lot of debate on this. So, yeah. So they take the protesters. They process them right away. If they're guilty, they stay in the federal courthouse and they basically get to see their day in court there. If they didn't, the feds throw them out in like 90 minutes. So no big deal. Uh, They're acting like this is like V for Vendetta where they're taking you to the gulags and you're never to be seen again, which I'm sure the guys that you don't see again either are getting prosecuted or they were undercover. And the ones that didn't do anything, they let them go. It's basically like don't hang out with rioters when they do bad things. And uh, if you see over here, actually, Antifa, what they do is actually pretty insidious. So they will actually dress up with press credentials and press helmets and in order to get as close to police officers as possible. So you can see this picture, you can't, you can't really make it out too much, but this gentleman right here is actually wearing a helmet that says press. So they try to take fake press credentials and, uh, and you know, try to get up as close to the police as possible, act like they're filming it for the press, and then they'll attack them and pummel them with either, you know, Molotov cocktails or whatever they're throwing at them, rocks, uh, or just trying to break, breach their perimeter. So... These are the people that we're dealing with. Uh, Obviously, we, federal government overreach and government overreach in the, uh, in, uh, is something that we care about deeply, especially in the Second Amendment community, because we don't agree with red flag laws, unconstitutional laws like that. No knock raids, we're against that. But at the same time, when the government is doing what it is supposed to do, uh, we can't be against that, especially, you know, one of the arguments that people always get into is, well, they're going to come and do this to you. No, they're, they're not going to do this to us unless we do something wrong here. Now, yes, you can make the argument that one day, one day you're going to end up being the enemy and they'll come after you. Yeah, that's fine. They're not doing anything illegal here. They're, they're released. It's catch and release, basically. So I don't see any point in it. Yeah, I, I don't see any problem with this. I would argue. Oh, with, with the, uh, I said I have a problem with being with all the releasing. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I hold def- people accountable for their crimes, please. Yeah. But Otherwise, here's another problem pointless. that's happening in Portland. This is why I'm almost of the thinking that the feds should just basically lay themselves up in the federal courthouse, protect it, and don't leave. And that is because a lot of these Antifa perpetrators have been getting arrested and they go before a grand jury in Portland, and the grand jury is actually not indicting them on charges. So you have the mayor of Portland who obviously is ordering his own police force not to not to assist the feds. The governor of uh, I believe that the governor of uh, of Oregon is on that bandwagon as well. Uh, So you have all of this going on and you have grand jury, which is a jury of your peers. So people from Portland not wanting to press charges against people in Antifa. Now, maybe some of those guys are just a stupid kid who happens to be hanging out at the protest because that's where he wants to be and he's filming it and he's not the one doing anything wrong. Okay, let the kid go. He's being an idiot.
But if you have evidence against people and you're still letting them go because you have beef against the federal government, that's ridiculous. You're allowing them to destroy your city. And as far as I'm concerned, you pretty much deserve to have your city destroyed because you're choosing to do that. And it sucks. It's the catch-22 that we're in because obviously the president does have authority to go in and intervene in states. A lot of people seem to forget that the feds can do that. And it's not unconstitutional. You have the Insurrection Act. If... Um, for those that know more about history, obviously when schools were being integrated in the 60s, there were some states that refused to allow blacks uh, blacks to integrate in schools with whites. And the federal government had to intervene. And in some cases, they sent the National Guard in to facilitate that uh, integration. So it's not unprecedented for the federal government to kick in. And ultimately, when, when law and order is not being upheld by local law enforcement, then there is a responsibility of other elected officials to intervene. But same time you kind of wish that people would reap what they would sow maybe they would learn their lesson they would get rid of uh todd wheeler or ted wheeler and and all these other yahoos out there tony says the people get the government they deserve facts yeah. as the kids say that is absolutely true they definitely do sadly anyway it is now time for our weekly constitucion de los estados unidos right. speaking thing all right, so this time it's uh, very short, and we are up to the Second Amendment, Ooh. which is my favorite. Actually, I like the Fourth Amendment a lot, too. All right, y'all ready? And obviously, for those that don't know, uh, the reason that we do this, our, uh, our segment on the, bi uh, on the Constitution bilingually, just for those of you that may have not been here last week, our goal with this is really, you know, obviously, we're the locked and loaded Latinos. We want to encourage uh, gun ownership with everybody, but we obviously focus on the Latin community. And one of the biggest things that we see is a language barrier. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we see a big language barrier. And a lot of times it's, you'll have somebody who Or sometimes is, people just feel more comfortable in their first language. Yeah, I mean. It's true. But you'll see a lot of times what we see is you'll have somebody that's second generation. So their children might be the ones that are into firearms. Uh, and uh, their parents don't know. So they're trying to explain to their parents, hey, I can own a firearm. This is what it's all about. These are the laws here. This is what the Constitution is. So we want to kind of give a resource that somebody can say, hey, uh, these guys are Hispanic here. They're going to explain the Constitution in English and Spanish. So I'll, I'll read the Second Amendment in English, and then you can go over it in Spanish. So the Second Amendment, as we all know, is a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Enmienda número dos. Siendo necesaria una milicia bien ordenada para la seguridad de un estado libre, no se violará el derecho del pueblo a poseer y portar armas. And there you go. That's the Second Amendment in Spanish there. So next week we will go over the Third Amendment. So, yeah, that should be pretty exciting. So hopefully, uh, I don't know if we'll get into the articles because they can be pretty long and that would pretty much require a constitutional course to go over, especially in Spanish. Uh, sometimes reading uh, uh, archaic English and some of the writings like the Federalist Papers, if you ever read them, it can be a little bit difficult. So in Spanish, it would be that much more difficult. So Spanish <laughs> is my first language, but it's definitely not the language I speak most of the day. So sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge, but it is my first language. Yep. So we've reached the end of our program. Yes. So uh, we hope you all enjoyed the show today. Uh, if you guys like the, uh, do you guys like the eight o'clock start time more? Or do you guys like the seven o'clock today was just kind of a one-off thing since we were training all day. But if, uh, maybe we'll do a poll or something. If people like eight o'clock more, maybe we can do it at eight o'clock or I have no preference, seven. whatever we'll you see. guys like. Uh, eventually we, you know, we're just starting this out. So, uh, we would love any feedback that you guys have to give us actually shout out to, uh, Tony Simon. He's been a huge help for us. Uh, basically since the beginning of our advocacy and especially helping get this podcast started and distributed, he gave us a lot of pointers on things to do. So we really uh, appreciate him and what he does. He's done for us and what he does for the community. You should check him out at uh, the second is for everyone. He does the uh, second is for everyone diversity shoot. Uh, I believe that, uh, okay, seven o'clock. Yeah, we'll keep it at seven o'clock. We might eventually make it a two hour show once we start bringing people on too. Let's not get too crazy yet. <laughs> not too crazy. So, but uh, we'll see. Maybe next week we'll we'll try to bring on our first guest if we can do that. And we'll see if we can make that work out. Yeah, we've uh, had some technical difficulties today. One of our, the big TV in this office decided like five minutes before the show, there was a giant crack of electricity and the TV exploded. Yeah, and it was uh, so. plugged into a surge protector and everything. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty sad about that. But, uh, 
hopefully next week we won't have any technical difficulties. (laughs) And so, but yes, uh, thank you again, everyone, for watching the second episode of Locked. Thank you, everyone who tuned in. We really do appreciate you for real. Yes, and you guys uh, are awesome. And don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button. Smash that button. Smash it. Smash it with all the passion that you that you have. And uh, for those of you that can't catch the show live, I'll let everyone know that we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, wherever your free podcasts are sold. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead and find us there. Let everyone know. Give us a follow at at Puerto Rican Pistolero, at Latino Locked and Loaded, at Locked and Loaded Latinos on Parlay, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Check us out on LockedAndLoadedLatinos.locals.com. I will give a short plug for Locals.com right now. Locals.com is a new social media network that was created by Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson to basically be a platform where content creators can control all of their content. So it is essentially a, an amalgamation of Facebook, YouTube, and, uh, and Twitter. Uh, all together, they this let is, you By host- the way, this is not an ad. This is... Uh- just as a recommending this, uh, I actually, I, I'm, I'm talking about this now because actually on Hank Strange's podcast the other day, they did talk about, well, we need a platform that we can control. And all of the things that they were asking for are things that locals basically uh, supplies you. So I'll show you guys real quick. I didn't, I didn't really have an intention to do this, but this is how locals.com looks. So as a content creator, you get to post whatever you want. You can post photos, you can post podcasts, you can post videos here. You get full control. You can see the members of your group. Uh, you can monetize it if you want, set it up like a Patreon. You can have it so that some content is paid for behind a paywall. Some of it isn't. You can make it so that on this main wall right here, your followers can actually post their own content on there if you allow them. And you have full control over it. If anybody says anything politically correct and you don't care, it does not go away and it does not violate locals' terms of use. It can only violate your page's terms of use. So you can decide how politically incorrect or not people can be. So I definitely encourage checking it out. Uh, I don't know how much it'll catch on, but I definitely think it's a platform worth supporting. RTS guy says, does Locals have an app? Yes, Locals does have an app on Android. I believe, oh, I know it's definitely on iPhone. Uh, I've got it. I'll check, I'll check uh, and let you know. Yes, but it's definitely, they definitely do have an app. So let's see if I can show it to you guys real quick on the phone. So yeah, you can see Locals.com looks just like the page that I have there. So check it out. The app is actually really nice. It's uh it's actually better than Parlay. Parlay is a little bit annoying on the phone, especially because they're font uh, or parlor. But yeah, check out locals.com. Thanks a lot again. Uh, thanks for letting us uh, let me go on my spiel there. And uh, really, thanks again for having uh, for joining us. This you guys evening. are really awesome. Thank you yep. so much. We uh, hope to see you next week. All Have right. a wonderful end of your weekend and get some rest before Monday. Take care, everyone. Thank you.